Welcome to the Craft to Career podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Craft to Career show. I am your host, Elizabeth Chapel, and I'm really excited to have you here today. Our guest is Stacy of Gingerbur, and she is a super talented and successful artist. She has a whole line of things that she offers, which we'll get into more detail about. And she's just going to be sharing her story of how she's gotten here, how long it's taken her to get here, some tips that she has for you. And first, I'm going to start by reading a review. This review comes from Jordan of Jordan and Joy Co. She says, just what I needed today. Wow, Elizabeth, I binged six episodes in one sitting. I appreciate your willingness to share, to ask the questions all of us want the answers to, and your fresh perspective. I cannot wait for more. Brava, Jordan of at Jordan and Joy Co. And this is so sweet. She says, P.S. Your voice is totally suited for podcasting. Such an easy listen. That is like something that before I started, I was like, I don't know if I've got the voice for podcasting. So that actually really means a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jordan. And if you don't follow her, go and take a look at her account. It's Jordan and Joy Co., just C-O. And now let's get started. I'm really excited to introduce you to Gingerbur, Stacy of Gingerbur. And one little tidbit, Stacy is so sweet. Uh, we, we went to go record our podcast episode, which was about an hour. And at the end, I'm just, I started using a new system. So the sound quality would be better. And I realized I had never hit record. And it was just one of those moments where your stomach drops. You're like, Oh no. And she was so sweet. She said, let's, let's do this again. If you've got time. And she spent another hour chatting with me and she is a busy woman with a lot going on. So if that doesn't tell you how amazing Stacy is, I don't know. It will. Welcome to the craft to career podcast. Today we have Stacy Bloomfield as our guest. She is the founder of gingerbread designs. She's an author, educator, and surface pattern designer. And honestly, you've got to visit her website to see her art. It's like quirky in the best way and super unique and beautiful. And you've just got to check it out. So I met Stacy back in 2015. I was just starting my career and I had a subscription box for quilters and we had purchased her fabric to go in the box. And it was the second quilt that I made was using Stacy's fabric. In fact, I'm going to put a picture of that quilt on the show notes. So you guys can take a look at it. And I went to quilt market. It's like a trade show for quilters. And I saw Stacy there. I just knew her as gingerbread, which was her fabric fabric line names, but probably still is. And I remember seeing her and was like, Oh my gosh, there you are. So Stacy, welcome to the show. And do you remember when I saw you at quote market? Hi, thanks so much for having me. And yes, I do remember because it was my first quilt market and I wasn't used to people like coming up to me and being impressed with me at all. And it just felt really cool because I come from two different worlds. I I now do the quilt world, the fabric world, but I also do stationery um, and gift products wholesale. And those trade shows usually happen in New York. And when you're in New York, you're like just hoping someone will come into your booth and maybe not like, like uh, walk away really fast and maybe they'll like your work, but people aren't like fangirling you 
at all. But you go to quilt market and you walk away feeling kind of like a celebrity. I tell my team like that. If I'm like needing a little boost of self-esteem, I'm like, I'm going to quilt market. I'm going to come back feeling super good about myself because like you came in and you wanted to actually talk to me because I was the designer. And that was my first quilt market. And it just was like, oh, I, this is so kind. Like it's a really great community. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So that was your very first quilt market. And you mentioned that you were in New York, that you've got these two separate worlds. So can you tell us about these two, you know, what, what revenues do you have? What are you creating? Oh my goodness. I'm creating a lot of stuff. So, uh, uh, surface pattern designs, like you mentioned, um, I wholesale products. Uh, so art prints, tea towels, greeting cards, uh, recently embroidery kits. We sell products on our website but I got started selling on Etsy years ago. And then I also illustrate and write books and I also do online education. So that's newer. I started that in 2020. And so now I also teach creatives how to run multifaceted, multiple revenue stream, creative businesses. I love it. Just like what you're doing. So I'm curious if we go back to the very beginning, uh, I know like you were an artist growing up as a child, but how did this become a career for you? Did you study this in college? Were you like, yep, I, this is what I'm doing, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. So like you, like you mentioned, I was always the kid who was drawing animals. I loved drawing animals specifically. And I studied graphic design and fine art in college. And I just knew I'd be an artist, but then I got married when I was 20. And then we had our first baby when I was 22. And my husband was a graduate student. And hopefully my mother-in-law doesn't listen. I'm going to add this story, but she like told me, she goes, Nathan does not stop until he has his PhD, you know, because we got married (laughs) young and, you know, and I was like, don't worry, I'll make sure he gets his PhD. (laughs) And so, you know, I does he have his Oh, he does. He has a PhD in mathematics. He doesn't even use it currently. That's a whole other story. (laughs) But but like, I was determined to be like responsible. And so I had a job as a manager of a coffee shop with benefits, you know, so I was like focused on that. So I didn't make art for a few years. But then when my daughter was born, um, we were on such a tight budget because my husband was in graduate school and I needed to decorate her nursery. So I decided to make my own illustrations for her room and my husband encouraged me to sell them on Etsy. And Etsy was a brand new online marketplace, you know, 12, 13 years ago. And that's kind of how I got started even illustrating. And it took a few years to build up any momentum there. But by the third year, I was able to stop my day job and focus on Gingerbread exclusively. And I wasn't like making bank, but I was making enough to where I felt like I could take the leap. And then over the next few years, I started licensing art as a nursery decor artist, and then selling wholesale products, nursery decor. And I did that really well for a few years and kind of carved out a niche as a nursery decor artist. But then I got really bored with only making nursery art. And I was like, I cannot draw another animal. I can't do it. So I started making artwork that I wanted to put in my own house. So I started illustrating like hands and people and uh, doing hand lettering and really kind of taking my internal world that I was, what do you want to call it? Like I was, I was going, I was going to therapy for the first time and I was really focusing on like emotional health. And so I started putting it into my artwork and I shifted away from nursery art really. So my business now is very focused on 
um, empowering and encouraging women. And I have a whole subset of the like creative entrepreneurs that I want to help with my work, not just my products, but also with like the online education. So that's kind of what got me here. So in the middle of all that, I was like, why am I not designing fabric? And I really had no idea about the quilting world at all. I was just a illustrator and I was doing these standalone illustrations of animals. So I Googled how to make a repeat pattern. And I found a free tutorial by my friend, Bonnie Christine, about how to make a repeat pattern in Illustrator. So I literally used that to learn how to make a repeat pattern, built up a portfolio of repeat patterns really quickly and started pitching them to fabric companies. None of those patterns I made in the early days actually ended up on fabric because they weren't actually all that great. Cause you know, you have to make lots of repeat patterns to really find your voice as a surface pattern designer, but Moda, found something that they liked on my website and they took a risk with me. And then I was a fabric designer. And then once I was in the industry and I realized, crap, I don't know how to quilt and I don't really know what I'm doing here in this industry at all. Emota is kind of a big deal. I was like, I'm going to go all in and I'm going to start quilt patterns and I'm going to take this really seriously. And now it's a huge part of my business. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm coming from the outside looking in. I don't work for Moda, but I would say you appear to be one of the bigger fabric designers, you know? And so that's been really fun to watch your business grow as a fabric designer. So, okay. At the beginning, I said, your look is quirky in the best way that, you know, what adjectives would you use to describe your look? One retailer who we work with at an after party at the national stationery show in New York with a with um with great enthusiasm said your work is tender stacy your work is tender <laughs> and sentimental and i guess it kind of is and i i guess it is sentimental and tender someone told me it sometimes can feel like they're reading my diary a little bit with some of my work yeah, um, i can see that yeah but uh, it also has quirkiness to it and i really just try to um use whatever subject I am illustrating as like a blank canvas to explore color and texture. So I really uh, put a lot of emphasis into like the color stories I put into my work. And in the early days, like when I was just illustrating animals, I literally used like feathers as a way to like explore surface pattern or like fur as a place to try out new, like little techniques with dots and lines. And, um, my, I had a printmaking professor in college who was like, it's all about the tiny details whenever someone leans in and looks really close at a printmaking piece. And that kind of stuck with me. So I'm really into the little details. I love it. Yeah. You can see that in your work, the little lines and dots and all those things. I love it. So if you were to draw a pie chart and talk about where your different revenue streams come from, you've got the fabric or I guess it's license licensing. I know you have online courses. I believe you have a membership too. Mm -hmm. I do. You're right. So I actually just put this together last week, my pie chart for 2020 and granted 2020 was a weird year. 2020 was Mm -hmm. the first year we did online education or membership. So prior to that, we were doing wholesale, our website sales, um, and art licensing. I had done my first um, book, which kind of falls into the licensing category. We had a storefront and a in-person workshop area, which is closed to the public right now. But we had just opened that in like 2019. Um, so 2020 happened, and we had to close the storefront because of COVID. And we couldn't do in-person workshops anymore, which is a little bit of education work. Now I do a lot of education work. And then um, 
because of COVID, we had two quarters where our wholesale sales kind of plummeted because retailers were needing to close their doors. Mm-hmm. And wholesale had become like the largest arm of our business. So anyway, it, it, the everything happening was like the the fuel to the flame to get me to finally make an, a big giant online course. I've been talking about it for years. So now I also have an online membership where people can monthly learn from me and I can help guide them as they like build their multifaceted multiple revenue stream businesses. And then I have an eight week course called leverage your arts. And I launched that in 2020. And that is where I teach people like in depth, how to run a successful creative business. And that's why I'm a huge believer in having multiple revenue streams because there are market fluctuations. Um, last year was a huge example of that. My friends who rely on in-person like craft shows, they they were just like, what do I do now? You know what I mean? Like that, they just, their whole career was traveling to do in-person sales and that was completely mm-hmm. gone. So that's why I coach people and do it myself. I'm a huge believer in the multiple revenue stream. So if one slows down, you can lean into another one to make up the difference. And we've grown every single year as a business because of this every year. We've never had a year where we've had a dip and we've been profitable every year. So it didn't start out with like all these revenue streams though. It started out with an Etsy shop. And then it, uh, I learned how to find my ideal customer and to hone my like distinctive style there. And then it just slowly grew. Okay. So I'm really intrigued on this. You learned how to find your ideal customer. That's like a really hard thing for some people. How, how did you do that? Are there tips that you've got there? Is this more like take my course and I'll dive into that? Well, you could, you can take my course. And I do dive into that because we talk about specifically how to find your ideal audience there. But the biggest advice I can give you is, um, make lots of work so that your style comes through. So like I see a lot of people who first learn how, how to create art and they want to immediately start monetizing it. And you can, but it takes a lot of time to make good art. Even if you're already a talented artist in a different medium, if you're wanting to go to surface pattern design, for instance, and you've been illustrating, I mentioned that my first surface pattern designs weren't all that great. Uh, I thought they were great. I was super mm-hmm. proud of them. Don't be not proud of them, but don't be surprised if a hundred patterns in, you're, you look back at your work and you're like, wow, I've grown a heck of a lot because you grow the more you do. Um, and then to find your audience. And I mentioned, I shifted my focus. So with nursery art, I will say that I did accidentally figure, find out who my ideal audience was, but I was my ideal audience. I was a mom wanting nursery art mm-hmm. that was like timeless and not sickeningly sweet if that makes sense. And I used a lot of desaturated color palettes and it was the kind of art that as my kids grew, I wouldn't mind it being in their room. And people on Etsy started buying that. And I, my, my early stuff on Etsy, I wasn't just doing art prints. I started out handmaking stuff. So I had a lot of ugly handmade things on my Etsy shop. I had handmade (laughs) pillows. I uh, handmade aprons and the aprons were actually really good quality. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, I'm not an apron designer now. Like that's not my, my gig. And, um, so the pillows were really cute, but it took forever to make. So I transitioned away from making those pillows and I was making like cut and sew pillows that I was printing the fronts on with, uh, through spoon flower. But again, my illustrations were on the pillows and that's why they sold. My illustrations are what made them sell. And they were being sold in nursery to people with nurseries, but they were also being purchased by people who didn't have kids who just liked my artwork. So that was my first inkling that I could potentially serve a different audience, not just nursery art. So my, my best advice is to make lots of work, pay attention to what people are interested in, 
and then lean into that. So like, as soon as I saw people liked the nursery arts, like the art prints and like the pillows that could decorate nurseries, I let go of the other things that didn't work. And I kind of leaned into that more. And then of course, whenever I shifted gears to, you know, making artwork that were like, not just for nursery, I don't really do a lot of nursery art now. Um, that meant I had to find and figure out who my new ideal audience was. And that was a lot of trial and error. And that was a very painful time for me to go from feeling successful in one area to intentionally making a choice to not do nursery art and then to find my way. Um, and I did it the exact same way I made it. Yeah. Exact same way. That's so interesting. I think, I mean, across any field. So I, you know, I teach people how to write and sell quilt patterns and it's the same thing. They just want to write and sell, but to sit in that beginning stage for a bit and honestly produce a lot of quilt patterns to start to see what you gravitate towards. And, you know, I'm assuming it's the same for, for any business to really like let yourself shine through and to find out what is true to you. I don't know. I think that's a really important step that people kind of want to rush through a little bit. It is. It is. And here's the thing, like with a course like mine or a course like yours, we can teach people how to like avoid years and years of trying to figure it out themselves. But the part about finding your creative voice and learning how to make like the good designs or the good artwork, that is the thing that you have to put the time into to really build because I, you know, you'll get inspiration as a new artist and you'll look around and you'll emulate what you see. And then you'll be like, why isn't this catching on? And it's because maybe there's a, it's already on the market. It's already out in the marketplace. So even with my early quilt patterns, so I, I sell a lot of quilt patterns now. It's actually a huge part of like our wholesale business, the indirect customer sales business. I didn't know how to make a quilt pattern. I don't write them myself. I work with amazing, talented people who are way more talented than me to write the patterns. But at first I was trying to design them myself too. And I didn't understand what a good quilt should look like. And my early quilt pattern writers were very kind to kind of coach me a little bit. So um, I figured out like what worked for my brand and what made it distinctive. And I, and I did what you have to do. I tried to design a ton of quilt patterns. So many of them we never went into production with. I studied what was on the market and I studied what I could bring to it. And now I actually don't even design them myself. That This is the first year that I've outsourced the design process to uh, my quilt pattern writer because we work together now for so long that she understands exactly what gingerbread needs to bring to the table. She can do it so much better than me. And um, I made so many mistakes with trying to get quilt patterns to market uh, in the beginning. But I'm, like I said, I'm a huge believer in hiring people who can do things better than you so that you can focus on your zone of genius. And for me, it's making the art. So I love that. So I think I'm going to throw this out there. I think you should offer a course on how to hire people. I am, you know, myself included, but I have a lot of friends who were at that stage where it's like, okay, we need to be bringing on some more people. How do we do this? And you literally get to a point where you cannot grow your business unless you bring on some more people. And some people are fine with that. You know, you can get to a point where you say, I'm I'm happy here. I don't want to grow my business anymore. And that's fine. But if you do, there does get to a point where like, you literally can't grow unless you, you bring on some help. So I'm going to throw that out there. If you want to think of a course that like how to hire someone. (laughs) I love it. Well, okay. My best piece of of advice. What maybe I will make the course. Maybe I will. Um, my, 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 My best piece of advice is if you feel like you can't do it all, that means you can't do it all. And that means you need help. And you should have already hired someone. 
And that's something that I've gotten better at. My employees can hear me talking and I don't want to sound like I've got it all figured out because I don't because I've made a lot of mistakes with it. But I have absolutely figured out that the more I delegate and hire people who could do jobs better than I can, the more our business grows. And I am so thankful because I have just an amazing team. So my first hire was like in year two of my business. And I say hire loosely because I didn't really even know how to properly have an employee. Um, don't worry. My mm-hmm. father-in-law is a CPA and he made sure I was legal and not like breaking the law, but, um, you know, right, right. um, um, she was someone who was literally helping me cut out pillow fronts from the yardages of spoonflower fabric we were getting in. And she stayed for a little bit. She, we, she was working like in our spare bedroom on the floor, cutting out fabric. Cause that's what we had. <laughs> and then my sister joined as a very, she was just looking for extra work. Um, she had also had her first baby and she was just looking for a way to supplement her income. So she was, she actually has worked remotely this entire time for like eight years. She works somewhere else in Tulsa. I'm in Arkansas. And she was just helping me answer emails at first. Then she was cleaning up my spreadsheets because my spreadsheets were really messy. And then she started, you know, helping me reach out to wholesale companies. And now she runs our entire wholesale division of our business. And we actually just hired someone specifically to support her for the first time. And um, so my team now is is made up. Awesome. Isn't it nuts? So we have virtual assistants. We have in-person employees. We work with subcontractors. And, you know, you have to find that, you know, there's some people who don't need to be in-person employees. And there's some people who can work virtually and some people, you know, do a mix of it. So my team here at the studio, we have Holly, who has been doing my shipping for years. Um, Like, seriously, she's been with me for so long and she's amazing. And then we have Dana, who does assembly and organizing. And then we just brought on someone else to help Dana. Dana, um, her name's Christy, and she just joined us a few months ago. And then we have someone who started out managing our workshops and then workshops closed because of the COVID. So she transitioned into being my assistant. Mm -hmm. And now she actually works as head of product development. We've promoted her. And so she helps me take all my visions and bring them to life. And now um, the woman we hired to help with customer service is now our community manager. And now she also works as my assistant. So like we just... Uh, keep moving people around as we need to. And then we work with, you know, an accountant and a CPA and um, an ad person. My, my point is like, that's, it's a, I have a bunch of balls in the air and people look at my business and they're like, wow, she does a lot. I don't do it alone. And I am only able to do these things because I've hired people to do the things that um, I don't need to be doing anymore. So I can focus on like education and content and creating art and licensing partnerships. And I love it. I'm just going to say my studio is so much cleaner now because it's not up to me to keep it tidy. I'm the messiest person on earth and I feel really <laughs> bad. So like now that, um, I just, it's, it's also empowering your employees. And I, and I, I do not do this perfectly. I'm like, I make so many mistakes and I try to apologize when I do, but like COVID taught us how to like, I was holding on to a lot of things really tightly before COVID because I, it's a, it's a, it's a business owner. You are used to doing it all your own. And then the more you like give parts of your business to other people, it's, it's hard to not try to be like in the middle of it. And I was like the, the thing that was slowing things down for a while because people were waiting on me. So because of COVID we had to get really good at delegating and it forced me to finally let go of a lot of things that I had my finger in. And I think it's made everyone a lot happier. And that's something I had to learn to do. So if you're going to hire, like it is hard because it's not that you don't trust your team, but you're so used to needing to be in the middle of things 
And now I don't need to. Because, and I never probably, I probably didn't need to be a lot sooner. So COVID forced me to like, just empower my employees to run with things. And I know some of them can hear me right now. So I hope they are okay with what I'm saying, but <laughs> it's just, I'm really, I, when I say I have an amazing like team of employees, that's like not saying enough, like they're incredible. Yeah. So. Well, and I mean, I've just barely started to bring some people on as well. And there is, it's scary, but some freedom too of like, wow, I don't have to think about that anymore. They can take that. And then as a creative, I'm not good at the spreadsheets. I'm not good. I mean, ugh, it's embarrassing at some point, but I mean, I'm not good at some of those. I'm very good at the creative coming up with ideas that, so now I have time to do the things that I, I do best, you know, and the things that I don't do best you do that and you do it better than I do. So it works. It's a beautiful thing, you know, but do do work on that course. I would love to hear your steps of all the things and yeah. Think about that. Yeah, I will. So, okay. You teach a course and I know this because I have students in my course who took your course and they were like, her course was amazing. She over delivered. She had so many guest speakers. It was incredible. So can you just like dive in a little bit and tell us what your course is about and what you teach? Yeah. So like I said, 2020 really forced me to finally get a course out into the world because I had seen my revenue stream dip and I'd been toying with it for a while, but I was like, okay, now's the time to just get it done. So I was, I, I start out. But, well, I teach people how to leverage their art. So as creatives, you make art and you feel like you're on this hamster wheel of constantly having to make art. And with the way social media is, it feels like we're almost content creators as well, which can be fun sometimes to make work that gets shared a lot, but also like to feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't make something to share on Instagram. What am I going to do? Like that's, that's not, your business isn't Instagram. It can be a tool, but that's not the focus. So I like to encourage creatives and teach them how to make a collection of artwork and then figure out all the different ways you can put it on products or monetize it in order to let it keep working for you. So in the end, I make less artwork each year, but that I'm, I'm able to create more income from it because I try to literally imagine it's like a big wet rag and I'm like squeezing every drop of liquid out of it. Like that's kind of how I approach the art I make. And it's not to like cheapen the creative experience because being an artist is like this incredible gift. I feel like whenever you feel like that's, part of what you get to do. And some people are very like, you can't monetize art, but we also have to make a living, right? You have to make a living. Mm -hmm, so yeah. in this course, leverage your art. That's what I teach. I teach people how to figure out how to build multiple revenue streams and how to build a stable business. So the way into that and the, the, the best way I have found is to start with art licensing. So the course starts out talking about art licensing, because with that, you're creating art, you learn how to build collections and how to pitch your art to, uh, manufacturers and partners. So like I've worked with West Elm and I've worked with Crate and Barrel and I've done wallpaper lines and uh, baby bedding and blankets and toys. Like that's all I've done so much licensing, but then after you figure out how to license your work and it is a long game with art licensing, you don't get paid until after the product goes to market generally, and you can make the most beautiful work, but it's a lot of pitching your work and a lot of rejection. I get turned down all the time for things that I pitch to because it's an, it, 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 your work isn't for everybody. You have to figure out who would be a really good fit for your work. One client I signed with this year, I've been talking to them for three years. And I find that's where people get really discouraged with art licensing. They put in the time to make the work and they're really proud of it. And they pitch and pitch and pitch and they never hear back. And so a lot of times people stop because they're like, it didn't work. 
but really it is a long game. So I teach people how to get on a schedule to pitch your work, how to reach out to people, how to find people. And then while you're in between your time of making the work and pitching it, you take that work and you figure out how else you can sell it. Because with art licensing, you're renting your work to another company, but they don't own it. You still own your work. As long as your contract says that, make sure you read your contract. And we talk about that in the course. And then, so like I can, um, I work with a canvas art company, so they can put my art on canvas art, but I can still sell that same artwork on art prints in my own store, gingerbread.com. And I can wholesale it. So that artwork just gets to keep making me money. So while I'm pitching work, I'm also thinking in the back of my head, what other products can I put this on? So can I put this illustration on a tea towel we're going to sell? or a greeting card, or an embroidery kit. And you can make your own products if you want to invest money in that. And I encourage people eventually to be able to produce your own product line and sell it on your website. But if you're not ready for that, you can do drop shipping or print on demand on your website. You can sell on Etsy. I know people who just make bank with digital downloads, guys. Like we do digital downloads too. There are so many ways to have your art continue to make money for you. And then once you learn how to sell products and you start manufacturing. And when I say manufacturing, it's a scary word. And we actually have a guest in the module who is actually my manufacturing partner. They help us produce some things in India of all places. And they're called ethical sourcing manufacturers, Hmm. because like, if I'm going to do this, and the reason I didn't manufacture overseas for a long time is because I can't go to those factories myself. And I want to make sure that the work conditions are like, um, honoring people and are fair. So I found a partner who actually mm-hmm. does that for me. And um, they, they talk, they're a guest in our, in our course too. And they teach you about what it takes to manufacture large and then what it takes to manufacture small. So we started out handmaking and then we figured out what people liked at, at Gingerbur. So then we started making tea towels. I was printing like 12 at a time because that's what I could afford to do. So you figure out what products and we teach you which products you can start small with. And then we teach you like how then to grow it bigger into something more. And then once you figure that out, you're a hop, skip and a jump away from wholesale. And wholesale is literally the the exact same products that you sell on your website, but you sell them to retailers at wholesale pricing. You sell more items faster and your unit cost goes down in manufacturing, which means your profit margin goes up. And um, (laughs) sorry, I just get really excited about it. And then you also, I do too. Yeah. And then, you know, we also talk about books because a lot of people who license, maybe they don't want to go the route of making their own products. So maybe they want to license art to manufacturers. They want to drop ship. So they never host any inventory. Maybe they want to dive into illustrating books, which is a whole thing. It's a part of art licensing, but it's a different industry. And so we talk to people who have written books and we talked to my literary agent and it's just, it's just this amazing giant course where I poured everything that I've ever learned over 12 years into leverage your art, because this course didn't exist when I started out. I wish it was, I made the course that I wanted. People say like, be the change you want to see or make what you wish that you saw. I don't know all the phrases, but you know, all the cool phrases, maybe did Gandhi say one of them? I want to make sure I'm crediting mm-hmm. Gandhi. Yes, Gandhi was the make the change you want to see. But also you want to make the products that you like see a gap in the marketplace for. And so when I was building this course, I didn't want to just make an art licensing course. I wanted to teach how you can work smarter, not harder, and how you can build multiple revenue streams to create stability. And now we have multiple revenue streams. And we just continue growing. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to get to help other creatives. Like, 
um, I've never felt more like I, I have a purpose with what I'm doing than with what I'm doing now, getting to help other creatives build the businesses that they want to build and create the work that actually has meaning for them. And that's part of finding your own creative voice. And we, we do dive into that at the beginning of the course, like the importance of finding your creative why that's going to take you really, really far once you identify that. So we, you're right. I, I'm so glad to hear that people feel like, um, I delivered and over delivered because I, I want to make a course that I can be proud of. I feel like if people are at the beginning stages of their business and they're investing a chunk of money in a course, it's very scary. And mm -hmm. I've been there myself. I remember working out of my home. I remember cashing in one of my husband's savings bonds so we could buy my first printer. Literally, that's what we had to do. His grandma gave him a savings bond when he was like 12 years old. He'd been hanging on to it and we cashed it in <laughs> to be able to buy my first printer for art prints. And I know how that's, that investment felt like everything to me. And it is. And so if someone's going to spend the money with me, I want them to walk away feeling like, this wasn't some kind of like money grab. This was like something that really is transformative for my career. And um, I'm just really passionate about that. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that feedback. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, you walk the walk. It's not just talk the talk. I mean, I've heard you say before, and you know, you've earned seven figures and you you've had success and not that it's all about the money, but that you can show people you can be successful with this. You can find success. Thank you. So yeah, we hit seven figures this year for the first time and it's, it's, I'm really proud of it, but it is also scary. It's this idea that for years, when, when I first started out selling nursery art, I wasn't thinking I was building anything really. I was just trying to like make some money to, to help my family. And then once I figured out I had a business like opportunity, you know, I took it seriously, but I would see and hear about people who ran these seven figure businesses and it would feel so unattainable. It's so unrelatable. And, mm -hmm. and I, you know, so for some people it's very inspiring to hear that number. And for some people it's like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, another person, you know, uh, <laughs> bragging about this. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to say this, that I've been on the internet for 12 years and I'm on a lot of podcasts that you can listen to over the years. And it doesn't matter if you heard me when I was in, when it was like 2010 and I was, there was an episode, gosh, which episode is it? I have it all listed on my website where the woman's like, how are you today? And I'm like, cry. I, I'm practically crying. I'm like, my babysitter just quit. I don't know how I'm going to take care of my kids and do all this. And like, literally, like I, I'm pretty vulnerable and open about like where I'm at in my journey. And fortunately for you, if you want, you can hear like a million years worth of talks with me. And it didn't matter <laughs> if I was selling on Etsy and just able to provide grocery money for my business or when I was able to like quit my day job and focus on that. And when I say quit my day job, I wasn't like making bank. I was just making enough to where I was like, I feel confident that I'm going to go for this. And it was a big risk. And then it did. And then when I hit my first six figures, it was like, I'm so happy. I was happy and celebrated at every single stage of my business growth. And I think it's really important that if you're like chasing a number, it's never going to feel good enough. For me, it didn't matter where I was at, at my business. I was just thrilled. In fact, maybe overly confident. Like, I, I think I had people fooled into thinking I was running a much bigger business than I was because I just <laughs> treated it so seriously. I was just so proud of it. And so I think, um, and it used to freak me out. Like, I was like, 
maybe not as impressive as people thought I was because if people me- measure impressiveness by the amount of money you're making, then they're like, that sucks. That's shallow. Right. Like I, <laughs> I love every bit of every bit of the journey I've been on, whether I was working from my dining room table, trying to print a print for the first time and uh, decorating my first envelope that I shipped out literally the first order on Etsy I like freaked out. I almost canceled the order because I was so afraid to ship it. And I decorated the envelope to make it the most impressive envelope that this person had ever seen. And if you go all the way back to my first Etsy review, it's about the envelope. And they're like, I just love the envelope. And I was like, yeah, like I treated it so seriously (laughs) and took it seriously, no matter what level I was at. And, you know, now I, because of just 12 years, 12 years of growth. I say slow growth is good growth and I mean it. And it's because I've lived it. And slow growth has meant that I've been able to build the business as I've needed to. So, you know, when my babies were little, my oldest is 12 now and my youngest is six. When my babies were babies, like I couldn't chase the things I'm chasing now because I had, I, I wanted to, I was dialed into my kids in a different way. So the way I focused my business was what suited my life. And then, you know, as they've grown, I've been able to grow certain things. So I encourage people to think about like not chasing the end number, but chasing what will make you, I guess happy isn't even the right word, but like be proud of where you're at in your journey and know that it all builds up to something else. So like every mistake I've made, every embarrassing thing I've done as a business owner, and I've made so many mistakes. It's something now that I can teach about. Does that make sense? It's a teachable thing. And I've made so many embarrassing mistakes, guys, like just humiliating things. I've stuck my foot in my mouth with retailers. And like, I've, I once made an illustration I was really proud of, of a coconut, but it looked like a pile of poop. And I didn't realize (laughs) it at the time. And I was really proud of this coconut with a face on it. And then someone's like, that looks like a poop, Stacy. And I was like, yeah, that's like, that's like small, small stake stuff guys. But I mean, right. Yeah. You know, every, every, everything I've done, every, it, it, Okay, I'm gonna tell one more story and then I'll stop. I had a no, surgery. I, I had a surgery about five years ago and I was working with Creighton Kids, which was called Land of Nod, and I was recovering from surgery and I was still like I was like two days out, so I'm still on painkillers. And they were like, Can you send us in initial thumbnail sketches for this new thing that we want you to do? And I was too out of it because I was on painkillers, but I was like oh, there's an opportunity for licensing. I'm going to sketch something. And so I sketched something and sent it in. And this woman was brand new to working with me. And she was like, I don't know how to say this any other way, but all I see are a set of saggy boobs in this illustration. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and when I was post painkiller, I could see what she meant. It was a bear with two arms in front, but the way I had drawn the arms and the way I had drawn the paws, it just looked like something was kind of swinging low. And, um, I was mortified. So like, um, that's a funny story. But my point is like, if I can do that with a retailer or a licensing partner and still work with them and learn from it, it's like, you can do it too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I love I love everything about that, that just having the passion, knowing what true success looks like, enjoying the journey, not trying to rush it, but also knowing that if you stick with it, that it, you know, it takes time, but you can have success with these things that that's available. You can. And you know, I have friends who don't want to build what I've built. In fact, one of my best friends, she's like, I would hate to be running a business like you are Stacy, because it is a lot of responsibility. I'm responsible to my team. 
I take that very seriously. I'm responsible to my students. I kind of feel like that's a sacred responsibility. If people are choosing to learn with me, like I care about that deeply. And I have friends who work from home and they run amazing businesses that are profitable and pay their bills. And they don't want all the different things that I have built. And there's so many ways forward as a creative. And that's part of what I want to teach you is that it doesn't, it's not one size fits all. My course is not designed so you come out emulating Stacey Bloomfield completely. My course is not for illustrators who design like me. My course is for artists, painters, illustrators, surface pattern designers, hand letterers who are creative entrepreneurs who want to figure out how they can take what they do really well and run a successful business. And so we don't, I don't teach people how to make the art. And it's really important that people know that you don't come in to leverage your art, learning art from me. You learn that from other educators or you're self-taught or you're learning it in college, people who are far more passionate and qualified, frankly, to teach that to you. Um, you, if people who come into my course, they figured out how to make art. Maybe they're still finding their creative why they're finding their voice and you'll find help with that and leverage like a lot of help. And then I want to teach you how to look at your art in a whole new way. And not just that, but I want to teach you how to set up a solid business. So a huge part of the business of the course and something people really enjoy about the course, frankly, is that we teach you how to set up a business. We talk about copyright. We interview my own intellectual property attorney to really answer your questions. And we have a live Q&A with him. My accountant does a whole thing about setting up a business and preparing yourself for um, like accounting. And we go through my accounting software and how you can do it, whether you're going to start with spreadsheets because that's where you're at, or you want to work in like QuickBooks or FreshBooks. And then my CPA comes in and talks about how to prepare for taxes as a creative. And I, the business part is the part that I think so many creatives are scared of. And it is daunting. I mean, I've signed up for webinars about how to run my business and I tune out and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't do this. <laughs> um, we try to make it really digestible and really understandable and relatable for whether you're at the beginning of your business and like, how, like if you're at the beginning, yay, because you get to set up systems that work for you from the beginning. You don't have to do what I yes. did, which is honestly yep. like, I made so many mistakes. At one point, my father-in-law who's a CPA was like, well, Stacy, when the IRS comes for you and they will come for you, <laughs> they'll think this poor girl didn't have any idea what she was doing. Now, this was in the very early days, you know, and right, that's whenever yeah. I quickly hired someone to mm -hmm. help me make it better. But a lot of people can't hire in the beginning. So we're going to teach you how to set yourself up for success so that you can feel confident because, okay. There are so many things that as a business owner, whether you're creative or not, that can keep you up at night. I used to, I used to lose sleep, literally not knowing where my finances were in my business. Cause it can feel really confusing. I tell mm -hmm. you, I sleep real good now because I have, uh, we've set up systems that let us have visibility on what's happening. And it doesn't matter if you're making a hundred dollars a month or, you know, a thousand dollars a month or more than that, like be learning how to be a good responsible business owner is something that most creatives I feel like are intimidated about. And it's embarrassing if you feel like you don't know how to talk about it. So we really demystify that. And um, so I think that's honestly like part of the, the hidden, one of the hidden gems, not hidden, we talk about it, but like people come out of the course and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better because now I can go forward with confidence and keep growing.
So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm not even an artist and I shall be signing up for this course because I think there are some things I could really take away from this. So tell me, I think you only open this once a year. Tell me when mm -hmm. people can sign up for this. Oh, yeah. So um, June 1st through the 8th, we have a free mini course, which is just to walk people through uh, the success path of being a creative, I call it being a creative powerhouse. That's what my membership is called too. It's being a create, it's a creative powerhouse. And the idea awesome. is that that's what we all want to be. We want to be these like creative rock stars, right? Um, who are just kicking butt and taking names. So my free mini course is called creative powerhouse. And I walk you through like the beginnings of how to figure out where all the ways you can make money and then how to grow your business. And then the next week is whenever enrollment opens, which is June 8th through June 15th. And it's open for one week, only once a year. And it's for leverage your art. And that's whenever you can join me in my eight week course. And like we do live Q and A's. I think we have uh, 12 expert interviews. We have guest modules along with the content that I create for you. So guys, you Ooh. get, but the thing is um, you get lifetime access to your version of the course. So we have people who participate live with us. And then we have people who are just now accessing the content as they need to. And that's totally fine. And we do the course over the summer because frankly, that's whenever I can do it. My, my kids are home and hanging out and I can teach the course during the summer. And I find a lot of people are in the same boat. Uh, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's when it's open for enrollment. So, and tell me about, I think you just released something like yesterday that is awesome. And you need to tell us about this because we all, and I'm going to leave a link for this in the show notes as well. So tell us about what this is. Okay. So I put together a completely free 49 page guide that is called the ultimate income stream guide for creatives because I find that a lot of people who are creatives, they see all they hear or they see about all these different ways that you can start to run a business, but they don't know where to start. And frankly, it's overwhelming. So I take my favorite creative income streams and I, I go through them all. I define them. I write about them. I give you the pros and cons and best practices of each creative income stream. And then I show you how to pick your focus and to um, set goals for it and to implement it. So the idea is like you're wading through the water and you don't know which way to go. And then you have your compass and your compass like points to north. And that's the direction you're going to go. And that's the goal of this free course is to kind of be a compass for you to help you figure out which way you want to go. And then I also teach you how to, whichever way you go, take your work and pitch it to the right people. And then I also have um, industry experts give their best advice for growing a business and finding your creative voice. And I also have a resource guide of my favorite resources for running a creative business. So it's 49 pages of free industry insight um, that I have available for you. And so you can, um, that just released yesterday. You can find that at learn.stacybloomfield.com backslash guide, but Elizabeth will put a, a link in there for you. So. Yep. Yep. And if you're wondering where the show notes are, sometimes you can find them on where the podcast is. If you cannot, don't worry, just go to www.quilterscandy.com. Click on the podcast tab and all the things we've talked about, there will be links there to her course, to the free mini course, to this 49 page awesomeness freebie that you can get. So Stacy, thank you. This has been so awesome. I love, I mean, that's just one example of like the value that you're sharing that you are trying to really help people and and make a difference with others. And I love that. Thank you so much. I, I really feel like, um, 
I say this thing, like everything behind you is why you are here. And I feel like everything I've gone through, gone through is not even the right way to put it. Every experience I've had over the past 12 years of trying to grow my business, of trying to do it while having kids and having a family, every mistake I've made, it, it's let me have a lot of experience that I can now teach about. And I'm so thankful because now I get to help other, other creatives who are exactly where I was, help them figure out how to get there faster and how to find their creative why and how to work smarter, not harder. And I, I just, I take this very seriously. I feel like I have a bigger purpose in my life than I've ever had before. And I just feel honored whenever people choose to learn with me and I take it very seriously. And I'm just, I'm really thankful, frankly. So yeah. Well, and I mean, I've known you since what, 2015, how many years has that been? Let's not do the math. Anyhow, I've known <laughs> you since then <laughs> and you are the real deal. Like you, you have been sweet and supportive from day one, a, very, very sincere. So, you know, anyways, you're someone who I, that's why I want you on the show too. You found success and you're just, you're a good, good person. So I, I like that. Thank so you. before, yeah, before we finish, I have a few rapid fire questions for you. First of all, what is your favorite food? Um, Indian food is my favorite type of food and like butter chicken. Love it. Give mm, me the butter chicken. Yeah. I might be for dinner tonight. We shall see. Okay. Yeah. How about a favorite book? My favorite business book is called You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. And I really used to feel bad like saying the, the word on <laughs> podcasts, but that's what it's called. So that's the name of the book. And my favorite fiction book series is Outlander and mm -hmm. um, set in Scotland, time traveling World War II nurse and a Scottish Highland warrior named James Alexander Malcolm Mackenzie Frazier. I named my minivan after him. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> that is a long name. <laughs> oh yeah. It's my favorite. I love that your minivan is named after that. That's okay. Okay. Are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? I'm in the middle of both of those. So I don't know what that's called, but people often think I'm extroverted because of what you're seeing right now, which is a lot of enthusiasm and excitement and passion. And that's, the, that's totally authentic. But then I have to go home and rest and be quiet and recharge my batteries and if I don't get that, I get really overwhelmed. I have a lot of anxiety and I talk about that pretty openly and I go to therapy and it can be a lot. So yeah, I'm in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm open with that too. Yeah. One of the uh, guests on the podcast is my therapist and I'm all about chatting with someone about the emotions and working through those. So, okay, let's see if you could. Okay. This is a funny one. If you could either have the power to fly or be invisible, which would you choose? I would be invisible so that I could hear what everyone is saying because I always want to know what people are saying when no one else is around because who who wouldn't want to know that? So yeah. <laughs> right. Love it. Okay. If you could meet one person dead or alive, who would it be? Oprah. She's on my vision board. And I have a dream in my heart that we are kindred spirits and we have just yet to meet. And it it'll be magic. Yeah. It will happen. All right. Can you tell us about an Instagram account that we should be following? Um, I, it's not art related, but there's a woman named Allie Kazaza and she um, is also an online educator, but she speaks to women specifically about how to like minimize like things in your life. So she started out teaching people how to declutter their houses. 
um, which sounds like an interesting, like, you're like, Oh, I want to follow this. You should, because, um, she's not just teaching people how to like declutter their houses, but she's also speaks so much to like empowering women and her energy level is just something that I really feel inspired about. Um, her Instagram account is just full of the best, most encouraging wisdom about like just self-empowerment and prioritizing yourself. And I feel like a lot of women struggle with that. And so I love her account. It's just super encouraging. Plus she's one of the first people who's like, Stacy, you should make a course. And I was like, I don't know. And, um, she really inspired me to do that. So, um, I like her because it's not like more artists to follow. I love following artists, but I also love that there's inspiration all around us from different people who have very different vantage points and it can be very, um, universal. So I like her. Awesome. All right. I'll leave her account in the show notes as well. So we can go check her out. Well, thank you so much, Stacy, for being here. And for our listeners, where can they find you? You can find me all over the place. You can find me on Instagram at gingiber, G-I-N-G-I-B-E-R. My website for products is gingiber.com. And then for education, please visit leverageyourart.com. And that's where you can find everything about like our membership, our monthly membership called the Creative Powerhouse Society. And you can find out about the eight-week course, Leverage Your Art, that opens for enrollment June 8th. And then we have some smaller course offerings that we have as well that you can check out there. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Stacy. Stacy, thank you for being here on the Crafted Career Show. Isn't she awesome? If you haven't seen her, go and check out her work. Her Instagram is at gingiber, G-I-N-G-I-B-E-R. And as Stacy mentioned, her Leverage Your Art opens up soon and it's only once a year. So if that sounds like something that is a good fit for you, you do not want to miss that. And I will have a link to that in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you're enjoying the craft to career show, go ahead and rate the podcast and leave a review. Your ratings and reviews really mean a lot to me. They not only help me know what's helpful and what you're interested in hearing more about, but it also helps more eyes to be able to see the podcast and for more people to be able to benefit and learn from the craft to career podcast. So go ahead and leave a review. And if you leave your Instagram name or your website or your name, I will give you a shout out and make sure that people know who you are and can go check out your account as well. So thank you so much for being here on the craft to career show. I cannot wait for next week. We have a special guest who's coming to talk all about Pinterest. Thanks so much for being here on the craft to career show. I will see you next week. Mm -hmm.